And just want to take a second and thank Policy Genius. They're supporting today's episode of Success Story. I know we all have kids. We all have families we want to take care of. And I personally check something off major on my to-do list, life insurance. It's a tough topic. It's really hard to think about, but it's so important. And the hard part was sorting through all the options. Luckily, I found Policy Genius. Policy Genius is an online insurance marketplace that makes getting life insurance surprisingly easy. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for a million dollars of coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. Now, knowing my family's protected brings me incredible peace of mind. Don't put off this important decision. Check life insurance off your to-do list in no time with Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com or click the link in the description to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. Welcome to Success Story, the most useful podcast in the world. I'm your host, Scott D. Clary. The Success Story podcast is part of the HubSpot Podcast Network. The HubSpot Podcast Network is the audio destination for business professionals who seek the best education and inspiration on how to grow a business. HubSpot Podcast Network hosts act as on-demand mentors to entrepreneurs, startups, and scale-ups through practical tips and inspirational stories. Listen, learn, and grow with the HubSpot Podcast Network at hubspot.com slash podcast network. Today, my guest is Alessandro Bogliari. Alessandro Bogliari is a digital entrepreneur and growth marketer. He is the co-founder and CEO of the Influencer Marketing Factory. This is a global influencer marketing agency that helps some of the largest brands and companies launch influencer marketing campaigns on TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube. I know there's a lot of influencer marketing agencies. I'm gonna read you off some of the clients that the Influencer Marketing Factory works with. Google, Facebook, Universal, Unilever, Amazon, Warner, Sony, Snapchat, Duncan, Bud, Grubhub, Hilton, Chips Ahoy, Bumble, Envato, Hasbro, United Health Group. They work with the who's who in terms of large enterprise and helping them ideate, create, and deliver influencer marketing campaigns. So some of the things that I spoke about with Alessandro, of course, I want to understand some of the campaigns and how he helps brands dominate on social media through bespoke influencer campaigns. We spoke about how to identify influencers and how influencer marketing uh, really works for brands, uh, how you can bring your brand onto TikTok, how you can properly measure the investment on an influencer marketing campaign, uh, where he sees the future of influencer marketing going. Um, he walks through some campaigns that he set up for companies and how he's captured on micro-influencers or even larger influencers to create a compelling message that actually gets an audience to take action. So this was really just a masterclass in influencer marketing from somebody who's built an agency working with the largest organizations in the world. Alessandro has a ton that he can teach marketing executives or founders on how to properly execute an influencer marketing campaign. So I'm going to pass it over to him. This is Alessandro Bogliari. We're going to go into his origin story, and then we're going to bring out some tactical insights. He is the founder and CEO of the Influencer Marketing Factory. Yeah, I mean, definitely a lot of different things before these, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, uh, trial and error type of things. Um, I will try to, like, make it not super long. You know, we Italians, we talk a lot. We love talking. <laughs> so I'm going to try to make it, like, you know, a long story short. But uh, um, what I say all the time is that I started working since I was, like, 15 years old, doing, you know, different things on the side while I was studying. 
I always started working together all the single time. I mean, I did my first website when I was 12 years old with HTML and C- some basic CSS. Like, it was still at the beginning. I was doing that with a you know a notepad on Windows. That that's 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 the time, okay? So I'm now 20 years old. I'm not that old, but still, you know, like this was like old 18 enough. years old enough. Old enough to know a uh, notepad on Windows. So so uh, what happened is that long story short, I mean, I've been always uh, in, into entrepreneurship. I did my first startup when I was uh, around 19, 20 years old. It was like this website about Milano in Italy, my city. And, uh, you know, it started as uh, just an experiment, uh, but uh, at that age, I already got like a team of around 20, 20 people. Uh, and this was this website about like, you know, the city. And I learned a lot. I didn't make a single dime out of it, but I learned so many things about like, you know, leadership and, uh, uh, you know, the growth hacking mindset, how to how to go big or at least try to go big like with uh, no budgets or small, really small budgets. And that helped it out because, you know, when you, da- you don't have like any, uh, let's say funding officer that your mind and your brain is like developed to find all the time, you know, solutions, right? So that helped me a lot. And fast forward, I always uh, like, you know, studying and everything. I did my bachelor degree in, in, in Italy. I got my master's degree in Copenhagen, Denmark. And while I was there, I was working for other different startups and everything, but uh, I got definitely a lot into influencer marketing. I was working with other people in, in Copenhagen. I actually wrote my thesis about influencer marketing. It was mm-hmm. one of the first theses about that. It was like a few years ago now. And it was like a soft or like, you know, it was about like how much you should pay influencers based on a sort of a really easy um, formula. I don't want even to call it algorithm. It was like a really sort of formula taking in consideration different factors. And uh, I was really fascinated by that. I was already working in that. I was starting that. I was like, this is growing pretty fast. And there were already agencies out there, but uh, Something was missing, in my opinion, was missing like uh, uh, adding more like of the, <clears throat> sorry, like the data uh, behind the influencers that usually platforms offer, but also comp- like, you know, combine that with the uh, strategic point of view and the creativity of an agency. A lot of the times back in the days, agencies were still offering those vanity metrics to clients. And I said like, now people and clients want something more. So I said, let's combine together creativity and data. And that's why then I moved to actually Miami. Uh, and uh, after that, now I'm in New York. But uh, yes, I mean, like I co-founded that influence marketing factory less than three years ago. We've been three growing years, pretty okay. fast. Uh, we are now almost 30 people uh, between Europe and the States. And uh, here we are now. I mean, like we, we have done a lot of uh, campaigns uh, with amazing clients, some that you mentioned before. But I'd say that the, the thing that really changed everything for us was that we have been one of the first agencies in the world to offer TikTok when it was still an, uh, as people call it, a, a, an app for kids. And uh, we actually believed in that. I was a big lover of Vine back in the days. After Vine, I got something about Musical.ly, but it was definitely like not my audience at all. So I said like, let's see what happens. And then TikTok came along and... Uh, um, that we, we said, let's, let's really put a lot of our effort in that. It's going to be like, it's, it wouldn't be wisest to go and compete with only Instagram because there were so many agencies around there. So we mm-hmm. said, let's go with TikTok. So first, like, you know, first for war on that, like, again, a lot of trial and errors before, and then got to this agency, uh, started building from scratch. Uh, and we went from zero to seven digits in the first year. And now we're like growing pretty fast, uh, day by day. So quite excited to see what is going to happen in the next months. It seems like you've always, you've kind of always been on the on the leading edge of, of trends in terms of influencer marketing. Um, so I, I have tons of questions about TikTok and, and uh, yeah. you know how brands can be effective on TikTok. But first, just 
a few a few last points on as you built this brand and this company when you started when you started this company was this was not your first foray into entrepreneurship like you said before you had some you know you had some experience not really successful what do you think led to your rapid success with when you started this agency because a lot of people try and start marketing agencies it's like every kid and a computer can start a quote unquote yeah. marketing agency so you said you took on TikTok, but i'm sure there was other factors that led yeah. you to be successful so walk me through that so I'd say that, I mean, first of all, when I was definitely younger, I did that big mistake that a lot of people do. You try to do a lot of different things together. You maybe are not consistent. You do something for three months, it's not working. And you say, let's go to something else, you know? So that is a big mistake. I think all the time that a lot of people do, and I did it so many times. Um, and actually it's the worst thing ever because you are putting effort, money, and you have to learn new things. You even put like in some investment in something that you think is going to maybe get back your money the same day or a few months, but usually it's not like that. It takes a lot of time to, you know, you have to have like a lot of factors in all the time, right? The right timing, right industry, and, but mostly consistency. I'd say that this time what, what changed it is that first of all, I had now like 15 years of uh, a lot of things that I've done in the past. So it's, I took a lot of different things. Like, you know, I was able to, I mean, I, I, have, a, I have a bachelor degree in graphic design and art direction. I, I, and before I was doing freelancer, like work for like making websites and everything. So like I had all that knowledge, so I didn't have to pay for like someone to make the website, the logo and everything, right? I did it by myself. Then I knew already how to do like growth hacking. So I was like, okay, I have no, no budget, but I know how to, hack the system in a way, right? To get like clients uh, without having to spend for paid ads. And I knew already like how to make networks and so on. And also my co-founder, like, you know, she was already, she was more in the corporate side. So she came in and helped her in a structure, a startup in a more professional way. So I knew how to do all those growth hacking. She was like really good in how to structure a company that because I never work in a big company, always working for myself or for startups. So startups startup are fantastic for many things, but usually there is no structure. There is no hierarchy. There is no vision, real vision of what is going to happen in three months, six months and one year. So I think that I combine all the things that I learned, um, committed like different mistakes in the past, a lot of consistency, uh, a lot of working hours. In, Ma in Miami, I was waking up four in the morning. I was taking my bike and I was riding my bike to the office and started working at 4.30 um, for Europe. And then after Europe, I was working for the US. So again, you cannot start a company and thinking that you're going to work for it for eight hours a day. You have to work like 16 hours a day. Like I, I don't think there is any other way at the beginning because you're going to have so many hats on you. You're going to be the CEO, the CTO, the CMO, the support, everything. And only after a while, you're like able to get like getting more people on and delegate. So I think it's a combination of things, but uh, definitely, and I want to say common sense things, but like the consistency of that, it's definitely important. And at the beginning, like what I say all the time is try to do the most possible things by yourself, especially if like no money or just on a budget, like why go there and spend for like getting something perfect. If like all the time you're just waiting for, oh, it's not perfect yet, you know, for the market that you will just postpone all the time. So again, it's it's a combination of these things that say, uh, and of course, like, you know, doing some 
research and understanding where the industry is going. You don't want to go into a red ocean. So what we have done is that let's get our knowledge into a blue ocean market that was TikTok and it was, no one was there. If you're pretty good in SEO, I have a lot of experience in that. I said, if we know how to now like, you know, create certain landing pages around TikTok area, and I knew a lot about backlinking, a lot of about like SEO on-site and so on, we were the first there. We're still like the second in the world, I think like for TikTok influencer marketing agency, we're second now on Google for influencer marketing agency. Uh, we could be like after competing for like, you know, just two years, like, you know, two, two, not even three years, I guess, like a lot of other people there. If you know how to do those things, you can still beat the competition. So again, long story short, all of those different things, a good industry, consistency, working a lot uh, for that. But I uh, just think that, you know, uh, it's normal to commit mistakes, especially if, if this is the first. This is my first real experience in something, but because I come from like 10, 15 years of like, let's try this, let's try that. And, you know, I learned a lot uh, along the way. I just want to take a second and thank the sponsor of today's episode, JustWorks. JustWorks is the tool that allows you to start, run, and grow a business. I work with a lot of entrepreneurs, and they are usually burnt out, doing everything, trying to manage every aspect of their business, and failing at all of them. If you feel like you're doing it all, if you feel like you don't want to worry about the headache of onboarding, HR, benefits, payroll, and that's one thing that you could do without worrying about, JustWorks is the platform that can truly help your business and perhaps give you some of your life back and some peace of mind. So JustWorks is a tool that allows you to easily hire and manage your employees. With JustWorks, your employees can onboard themselves in minutes. It gives your employees access to national large group health insurance plans. It handles payroll, personal time off requests, and it has a 24-7, 365 support team in case you or one of your employees needs help figuring out something. So anything benefits payroll, HR, onboarding. It's intuitive, it's simple, it's user-friendly, it's easy to set up, it's easy for your employees to use. And after you've onboarded your employees, even taking care of payroll and then tax, regulations, requirements, that's all taken care of with JustWorks as well. So if you wanna stop working in your business and start working on your business, stop doing everything. Use tools that allow you to scale yourself and make yourself redundant so that you can focus on the vision, growing the company, moving it forward. If you want to try out JustWorks, go to justworks.com for more info. You will be able to learn how JustWorks can help your business. That's justworks.com. All right, let's get back to the show. I just want to pause for a second and thank the sponsor of today's episode, Canva. Now, making content is an essential part of what I have to do to keep the show going, especially since I started it myself. I didn't have a team supporting me, and I am not a creative designer by trade. So this was difficult to create the video assets, the social assets, the website, the media kit, etc. But ever since I started using Canva Pro, I can truly design anything like a pro at that caliber on any device. And I've been using Canva Pro for several years now. And if you've never heard of Canva Pro, it is the design platform that allows you to create, share stunning design, stunning content with just a few clicks. Regardless of whether or not you're a professional or just getting started, they have a database of templates that you can easily customize. It's all drag and drop, extremely simple. Or you can start from scratch and create 
create whatever it is you want with a really robust, feature-rich tool set. Canva Pro also comes with premium fonts, photos, videos, all the stuff that you would have to be paying for anyways. This means you will never have to pay for copyrights for another image or video or graphic ever again. It's all included in the platform. And if you are working in a larger team, it also has shared workspaces. So you can collaborate on different projects with your team. Now, if you want to try Canva or Canva Pro, fortunately, Canva has set up a special offer for everybody who is a Success Story podcast listener. So they have set up a program for listeners that allow you to try Canva Pro for free for 45 days. And that is an extended trial that you can only get with this promo code. So if you want to take advantage and if you want to try Canva, you can cancel after 45 days if you don't like it, but I really doubt that. Go to canva.me slash success story and you will get a 45-day extended trial. I'll repeat that one more time. Go to canva.me slash success story and you will get an extended 45-day trial, no limitations, all features. You're going to be blown away at how easy it is to make beautiful, creative assets, graphics, posts, and content. All right, let's get back to the show. No, it's very good. And those are those are those are smart lessons for people that are trying to start their own thing. Um, okay, so let's you know let's unpack TikTok because, like you said, you are you you were blue ocean when you started this, but I don't think the market really has even matured that much. I think brands still try and they have a tough time figuring out how yeah. to manage TikTok. You know, so first you know just walk me through. You mentioned you were on Vine, you're on uh, Musicali for a bit, and then TikTok. So. What's the opportunity for brands with these short form videos? Do you see uh, do you see all potential brands B two B B two C eventually having to find a way to reach their consumer on on platforms like TikTok? So I'd say that the majority, yes, they can. And there is a misconception sometimes that only B two C you know clients uh, can go there, or that only you know fresh companies and you know like more like designed for young people can be there we actually work also for companies like in the banking industry in the insurance industry uh, in sometimes like pharma industry so again if you are crafting the message in the right way you can still do native content what i say all the time is that not because everyone now wants to go on tiktok you should like mm-hmm. this is i say that like even like against our own interest but i think it is that do not like rush to something just because everyone is there. You still want to have your tone of voice. You still want to have your brand values. You don't want to just make fun of yourself just because you want to go on TikTok and maybe play like the silly brand, okay? You can go on TikTok even without having to, you know, to dance. Like finally people are understanding it's not just like for dances. Like it's a, a place where you can actually learn things. You can learn about marketing. You can learn about uh, medicine especially during covid there were a lot of professionals that were saying like what to do what not to do and why certain viruses were spreading and so on so like now it's really a hub uh, where you can learn things you can have fun and so on so even if you're like you know someone in personal finance you can you can give away like you know like uh, different tips there if you are uh, in the banking as well if you are a coach like everyone really can find their niche 
actually the the good thing of TikTok is the algorithm. Like if you are consistent in a niche, you're you're gonna like your content is gonna be served to the same people that liked your content or similar content. So actually, uh, everyone that is a certain niche can actually get a lot of more niche audience because of how the algorithm works compared maybe to other social media. So uh, in a national, yes, I think that the majority of brands, even B two B, can be there. You just have to understand that one, you have to do and think in a TikTok native way. So do not just think that you're going to record something for Instagram, then you're going to post it on TikTok or take a, a, a short cut of a YouTube video and put it on TikTok. It might work once in a while, but other than that, people want to see something that is designed for TikTok. And to understand before posting anything, what the community wants to see, read their comments, understand a bit more what is trending that week. You know, So do some more research because again, people on TikTok are expecting certain type of content and you want to give them you know what they like so so walk me through like say you know say one case study to because we're talking we're sort of talking theoretical and high level now so walk me through like say one one b2b brand because i think that's the people that probably find the most find the platform the most difficult to understand so walk me through like a case study of of one you can talk about um of somebody that did it successfully and like what that what that campaign was like because um, I've seen some on I've seen some on your site and and they do it quite well. So uh, I'm sure there's a few uh, examples. Yeah, uh, is there any one that you saw on the website? That, um, there was there was. Uh, I I'll I'll pull it up again. Actually, yeah. I was looking at. Um, unless there's one that you just liked in particular, it doesn't really matter to me. I just I thought mean, it would be a good to walk through a case study just because I know that people. Of course. Every 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 influencer, marketing consultant, agency, they all say like, yes, you should take your brand there. But it, I actually had trouble. Outside of outside of your site, I actually had trouble finding a lot of brands that spoke about their TikTok campaigns and whatnot. I feel like it hasn't really been adopted yet. So you probably have some of the few really strong case studies that are out there. Yeah, definitely. No, I mean, like in general, I mean, of course, like I can, uh, I mean, there are like different type of case studies that I can talk about. Um, maybe let me start like you know with some that is uh, an easy one uh, that yeah. is more maybe b2c uh, just to get there and then we can go and like in the in the also in the b2b uh, yeah. when it comes to b2b it's uh, for me of course a bit more like difficult to talk about that because uh, there is more like you know uh, things involves in terms of like NDAs yeah, and I realize stuff. Uh, yeah, then, yeah. then the B two C, as you can easily understand. But let me start like with, for example, one maybe that is more in the uh, in the B two C. You know, we also represent talents uh, on TikTok, so we also have like a roster of people that work with us and under our agency. And one perfect example it is that um, we have this um, talent called uh, Cringe Carter on TikTok. He was, uh, he still is, but uh, like he was already like a big fan of Dunkin. Mm-hmm. Um, back in the days, he has done like so many free videos about Dunkin. He was going to Dunkin every single morning, uh, getting a coffee, talking about his uh, big like you know. It was it was like so so much a big fun, you know. Like he was just talking like, "Hey, this is my daily life. Uh, I want to share that with you." And all the time there was like a Dunkin cap or some product, you know, usually coffee like in his hand. Okay, so Dunkin reached out, you know, and said like, "We want to do something." And this was at the beginning when Charlie D'Amelio was um, going out with the first Charlie drink. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so we helped Dunkin in that way, for example, with our talent to go out there and say there, there was this new product. What people loved, it is that we were combining together uh, the love, the genuine love, authentic love of one of our talent for a certain brand. And then when he went out with uh, like, you know, this promotion, 
and Duncan even sent him like a, a, a custom and tailored um, merchandising with his name on. Their audience, like his audience, loved that because it was like, oh, you're not just like selling out like your, yeah. you know, your 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 account. You're actually getting paid for like from a brand that you always uh, sponsored even without like you know being paid in in the past. So I think that now we are going in the direction where audiences love to see in these co-branding activities. We are going from a mere uh, promotional content of like, hey, buy these to actually co-creating, co-branding things, especially imagine in the makeup and beauty industry. There are like a lot of influencers that are creating their own uh, merchandising, their own line of makeup, because this is what people want to see. They want to see that there is a face that they can trust behind that and not just anymore a big corporation. Uh, yeah. So this is like, you know, one example, but we have done that for so many, like, you know, d- different, like, you know, uh, industries. I'm talking about the music industry. We have been like, you know, back in the days, again, we started working with Sony Music Universal, Warner Music Group. Whenever they had like a new launch of a song or artist, we helped that because, you know, you can use that soundtrack on TikTok for a new trend or hashtag challenge. And people just to jump in on that are going to reuse that song. And so you start and, you know, you maybe you pay five people, but at the end of the campaign, you're going to have hundreds of thousands of videos created on that song. And a percentage of that are going to look on Spotify or Apple Music for that song. And this is why you see nowadays so many songs that goes from TikTok to the billboard and even on radio. Because it's like that, like imagine that like one million of people make content on that soundtrack. A percentage of that is going to get interested in that and going to listen to that. And even the artists get famous. And we have like, you know, Olivia Rodrigo is, I think, the biggest example of that, how you can start on TikTok and become like a big, a big, uh, like, you know, sensation. So that is more about like, again, more B2C. But for example, in the B2B, we also have like, you know, interesting cases um, about like anything that goes from banking to insurances. In that case, what we've done with some of these clients is that, we went in a way there, we know that some of those contents are sometimes a bit boring, right? So you don't want to watch maybe a 30 minutes video or go through a PDF of like 20 pages. But what if your favorite TikToker can tell you in 30 seconds the benefits of something like that about, for example, your bank? Why should switch to this bank that is more for young people that are maybe the want to spend this amount of money in fees? What if I can tell you that there is a new service that can help you on that? Or like something that we saw a lot, it's insurances. Like insurances, especially for young people, this year in the States, more people saved money. And more people understood that you not only have to save money, but you have to pay attention to many things. And one of that is insurance. Insurance is such a mess. Even for me, like from Europe, when I moved here, it was like, what is this? Like, I, I don't know what to do. And I, I, I realized that many Americans live, like burn and live in here. They don't, they don't know how does it work. So imagine if a TikToker can explain you in a few seconds, uh, mm-hmm. at least the basics on how to find insurance. So in an informative video of maybe 30 seconds, you can give away five golden nuggets okay, of information. And one of those, it, maybe it is a, a promotion to the new insurance uh, platform or whatever. So it's always a combination of like being informative, be useful, but also being uh, entertaining, right, for the audience. So again, you can really craft a message in a different way and still drive traffic uh, to a certain website, even in the B two B space. I was going to say these are just really good 
these, these are just good marketing practices, not just TikTok. These are just really smart marketing practices. And the other thing I thought was interesting um, that I'd love to get your opinion on, you mentioned how uh, influencer marketing, even when you first sort of got into the space, was not very data-driven. That mm -hmm. carries over to TikTok, carries over to every every social platform. So how do, say, say I'm a brand, I want to get involved in influencer marketing, I want to use it. How do I measure the ROI? What are the, what should I look for? What should I stay away from? So, of course, I mean, like, there are different, let say, metrics to take in consideration. It depends your initial KPIs. So, first of all, a lot of brands, what they don't do from the beginning, from day one, it is to do a forecast on what they can expect and what are their goals. Um, we work with a lot of apps. So, of course, you know, one of the metrics and KPI is download of the app or sign ups after there are certain metrics, right? If we're talking about a physical product in store, uh, be more difficult sometimes to like, you know, to, to track or sometimes we have um, e-commerce sales. So you can track those through UTM parameters, uh, tracking links, uh, tracking pixels uh, and even promo codes, right? Or discounts codes. So first of all, you have to understand from day one, what do I want to, what is the goal of this campaign? Is that brand awareness? It is that driving conversion? Is that getting more followers on my page? Is that a combination of things? So first of all, important, understand that. Based on that, you, after that, like we as an agency, what we do it is that based on the KPIs and the geolocation and type of industry, we give you a combination of different influencers that can um, get you to that point. So if we know that it's going to mostly be brand awareness, maybe we're going to work with bigger influencers that you're going to pay more but you can get to millions of people in an easy way. Uh, and again, some brands are like, we want to do awareness about this new product launch. Since they know that it's gonna be a bit more difficult to track because maybe it is in store, they are like, okay with that. And they just like, hey, we want just to make some noise about that. Yeah. Other clients may be smaller budgets or they really need to justify ROI to their CFO or whatever. Then in that case, we prefer all the time to go maybe with a combination of micro and some medium because they can drive more traffic. And what we do all the time, it is that we give to any of them a specific link with UTM parameters. So we ask to the client if they can put tracking pixels or any, any other like firing events on their website in order for, first of all, see the overall campaigns, how it is working to who are the influencers are bringing the most and free they can do an easy calculation of like okay this is the traffic that we got this is the conversion and you can calculate in many way right on the thank you page if it is an app you can use like apps flyer singular.net or many other third-party tracking system and you can do an easy calculation where you take the total budget amount and then you divide that by the different metrics so you're going to have as you can have even in programmatic and in other like you know other like marketing um, you know fields you're going to have one that is going to be the cost uh, um, of uh, the customer acquisition cost another metric is going to be the cpc one is going to be the cpm and uh, one is going to be the cpi if this install of app and you can even calculate um, vanity metrics that for some brands are still important like uh, likes uh, views uh, comments and so on i mean you also have to differentiate the comments that are just like oh i love the content and one yeah. comment they said is like I love this bag, I love this, uh, or where can I find more information about your coaching service and so on. That is a valuable comment because you can drive 
more people thanks to that. So again, KPIs, thanks to that, you understand this type of strategy that you want to do, and then you calculate that. And again, you can calculate ROI in a different ways, but usually um, if you put from day one everything in place and everyone has tracking pixels and tracking links and UTM parameters, again, you take the actions that are interested in, you divide that by the total budget as you would do for any other marketing activity. And you can also calculate influencer marketing ROI Again, if you have everything in place, if not, it's going to be maybe a waste of money and time. But if you do everything if correctly, you set up the, yeah, if you set up the tracking, you know, right? Yeah. Do you yeah, find, exactly. do you have, um, do you find that, uh, an influencer marketing, like if you run an influencer marketing campaign, um, you have these huge, enormous influencers, you have micro influencers. Um, do you find that one is better suited to brand awareness versus direct conversions? Is there any? Uh, anecdotal data, you know, just takeaways that you've seen after working with a variety of influencers, what converts better? What's just better for general, like is, is, you know, going with a Kim Kardashian good yeah. to drive conversions or is that just great if you just want people to know about your brand? Yeah. Good question. So, I mean, like I'd say that first of all, it depends by the social media. It depends by that because, um, Different social media offer uh, a different way, like they have different algorithms on how to serve content and definitely different organic reach. So for example, one of the best way, in my opinion, also to go, you know, again, to, to, to take like, uh, maybe instead of doing just a comparison between Instagram and TikTok, there is the easiest one. Let's make it between YouTube and TikTok, okay? okay. Um, YouTube is uh, definitely really good for um, longer content, something that you, where you can explain a bit more. And um, the follower base, the subscriber base, it is important sometimes, yes. But if one of those videos blow out and goes on the um, feature page or like they go in the related videos, it can be seen by many people. It's quite normal on YouTube to find the people with 300,000 followers, uh, subscribers, uh, to receive maybe 5 million of views. So you can still bid on a person, okay, that hasn't that many followers, maybe or subscribers, and still, if the content is good enough, it can go like, you know, well. And in that case, you can even drive traffic even later on. Imagine that like uh, YouTube, it's a search engine, right? So at the end of the day, like you can go there and type things as you would do in Google and in others, right? And uh, I mean, it's the same, it's the same family, right? So the idea is that you can find videos if someone sends it to you or on the free page, uh, the feature page, whatever. But also, you can pull information, right? It's pool marketing. You go there and you say like, you know, best sneakers of the month, whatever, and you're gonna find someone talking about that. The good thing of YouTube, it is that as it happens for Google, your content is gonna be there for months, for years. And if you have a link in your description, people can still click on that and you can drive conversions uh, even after three years. On the contrary of maybe like other social media that it is more time sensitive, you know, like Instagram after a while, the, the content is, it disappears for stories and for the feed uh, after a while, you don't even go check, you know, after 48 hours, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's a different type of intent and, and, and purchase like, you know, intents from the people. Um, but like TikTok on the other end, for example, it's great if you don't have a big budget, you can go there and pay people that are like maybe micro influencer, because if they go to the For You page, similar to YouTube concept, they can blow out and get maybe 10 millions of views, but you paid for maybe 100,000 followers, right? You're paying on those metrics or previous videos. And what if 
you know, you get like some one of that blows up and everything, then then you can get like fantastic exposure for a fraction of the cost. On the contrary of maybe Instagram, where sometimes you get you paid for a certain number of metrics, but because of the organic reach that is not that good nowadays, you might not get the best, you know, there. So again, I'm not saying that one is better uh, than the other. It's just different approaches. But in a nutshell, I'd say that usually the big ones, um, you're going to pay them a lot of money, but it's not necessarily means that you're going to get a lot of conversions. The majority of the people, and this is what I say all the time, Cristiano Ronaldo, I think this now is the first right on Instagram or stuff like that. He has like, I think it's the most followed. Um, like you can still follow Cristiano Ronaldo just because he, he is him. Like he is Cristiano Ronaldo. So even if you don't care about soccer, if you don't care about anything that he does, you're going to follow because he's a, it's a celebrity. So what is your value as a follower? It's at zero. So you are going to still pay him for all his millions of followers, uh, but the conversion rate or the interest rate from these people, you know, is the same for the Kardashian, is the same for the big ones. They have a big following, but just random people that follow these people just because. So it is preferable all the time to go with someone that you know that can have a niche audience. And we need show audience. I don't mean only people with 1,000 followers, even people with 1 million, but you know that those people are interested in following this person because they want to follow this person. They, they chose because of trust, because of a niche, because of content creation and so on. So again, it's a combination, but again, if you're just starting I would avoid to go with the big ones because you can commit some mistakes. And even if you have a big budget, what we prefer to say all the time, diversify. Because if one post doesn't go well, you didn't waste $200,000. You have $200,000, it is better to put, you know, like your, your bidding on different horses all the time because that is a good way to diversify uh, as you would do for anything. The stock market, the anything, right? I just want to take a second and thank the sponsor of today's episode, Quantum Metric. So what Quantum Metric is going to do is it's going to allow you to develop a single source of customer-centric truth that can help you understand how to position your products, how to sell to your customers. Because anyone is a digital leader who wants to understand your customers better. It should be 100% of you. You should want to understand the customer experience when they hit your website. And then you also want to understand not just your customers, but who else in the world is having similar experiences and how can you use that information to make informed decisions about how your business moves forward. We are gearing up for an unprecedented 2021 e-commerce season. E-commerce sales are expected to exceed 2020 benchmarks, even though COVID is lightening up. Consumer behavior has changed forever. And with Quantumetric, you can prepare yourself to capture every single customer revenue opportunity. So their unique approach to the digital experience that the customer has while engaging with your brand helps top retailers, e-commerce outlets quickly identify and prioritize large and small revenue opportunities. And they keep customers coming back. So everything from page hits, mouse movements, scrolling, typing, out-of-the-box interactions that you couldn't even think of, various events, API calls, literally everything, they quantify that data and they present it to you so that you can use that data to make informed decisions about how customers interact with your brand online. So if you want to reduce customer friction, if you want to increase conversions, drive more revenue, optimize user experience, personalize the shopping experience for all of your customers, go visit quantummetric.com slash pod offer. That's 
quantummetric.com slash pod offer and go see if you qualify for the 12 days of insights offer using the code success. The 12 days of insight offer gives you 12 days of access to the quantum metric platform with a bespoke insight report that will help you identify where customers are struggling and engaging with your online experience and your digital product. Some restrictions apply, but for the majority of people, go to quantummetric.com slash pod offer, enter the code success, and you will be able to receive their 12 days of insights offer. Get ready to understand your customers with intimate detail that can optimize experience and revenue and give your customers an overall much more pleasant experience when they hit your site. All right, let's get back to the show. I just want to take a second and thank the sponsor of today's episode, HubSpot. HubSpot's CRM is the easiest tool you can ever find to align your team. There are two features that you need in a CRM that optimize every activity your team does. It's the ability to communicate, meaning chat, email, etc., messaging, as well as a unified system of record. Your company is going to use a CRM to manage conversations with prospects and customers throughout all stages of the buyer journey. And as your company grows, these conversations get a little bit more difficult. Information may get lost. Communication may be disjointed and HubSpot solves all that. Using HubSpot as your CRM makes sure that all of your communication and your records are unified across your entire organization, meaning that from when you first have that initial touch point with the customer and they enter your funnel all the way through to when they actually sign that contract and after with customer success, every piece of information, every bit of communication is aligned and congruent across your company. You can install live chat on your website and allow sales or support to talk to prospects directly. You can send marketing emails on behalf of a sales rep to complement their outbound campaign. You can allow prospects to book meetings directly from marketing emails right into a sales rep's calendar. And all the interaction, all the communication is seamlessly documented into your HubSpot CRM so that if somebody else has to look into an account or to help out, they know exactly where the last person left off. Best of all, with HubSpot's various price points and flexible pricing, any company at any stage can take advantage of the various features that HubSpot has to offer, starting with free and allowing for more scalability and complexity as your organization grows. Learn how to scale your company without scaling complexity at HubSpot.com. All right, let's get back to the show. Yeah, yeah. No, that it's, it's smart advice. And now I guess the follow-up would be, okay, so this is if they're actually working with influencers, but you just have a good handle on uh, a, you know, how companies should best approach social. So if a company let's assume it's not a big company, let's assume smaller company, yeah. and they're trying to figure out where to spend their time, because there's, again, a million different mediums, different channels, and they don't know where to spend their time. Should it be on TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, whatever, Twitter, it doesn't, you know. So where, where do you recommend they spend time? Just one, all of them? Uh, what's your take on that? So, um, I mean, you know, whenever you try to do like all of them, it's a lot of work. I think that a lot of brands do not realize how, time-consuming it is to be active on social media. So I'm talking about creating content, finding influencers, uh, planning a strategy, doing a calendar of activities. Uh, um, like it can be really like, you know, frustrating sometimes because maybe you're trying to do everything on any places and it doesn't work. Uh, what I recommend personally is that, first of all, do not be on everything just because. So if your audience it is not on Pinterest, don't be there. Like for every like content that you put, maybe you're gonna get free repaints or whatever, and was was worth it? Maybe not. So what I would do is that like maybe try to find like two or three main social media that are working for you. For each of them, 
spend time. I, I know that it's like common sense again things, but uh, you have to spend time on each social media some hours every day or every week if you don't have enough time during the day to understand what type of content are working first of all and what people are commenting in, under their posts. You want to see the sentiment uh, about that you know so you can do sort of even just like by yourself sentiment analysis of what is working under certain competitors of yours go there see are they liking this type of content on this social media or they are hating it if you can see that after a while you analyze 20 of your competitors on um, instagram and you can see that the audience on instagram is not lacking that or on, on tiktok or on youtube or on pinterest on twitch they're not lacking that type of content there are two ways. One, it means that maybe you can be the first one to go with a different type of content, so to beat the competition and understand what the, what your audience is looking for. Or two, it means that the type of social media is just not a good match for your type of brand, okay, or industry. So you just avoid it. You know, like why just be like you know go there and try to be and beat the system all the time. But what I would do it is that start with two or three, and as you would do like you know A/B testing type of approach for anything, any anything in marketing, I would do also the same there. Do this, and after a while you're gonna see what is the response rate right on the different social media. And if after two three years you can see that one channel is not working that well, I mean maybe you don't have to kill it, but put all your effort in the other two that are working, right? I mean at the end of the day the eighty twenty rule. Um, it works uh, even for social media. So why spending maybe one hour a day for different social media when you can put all your effort for those, like, you know, 20% uh, out of everything that is bringing you the 80 in, right? Uh, it, it's, it's an easy rule, you know, the, 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 the Pareto principle, but I think that you can definitely, like, you know, adapt it for, for social media. So, uh, again, spend time on that, uh, understand what the audience is looking for. And as I mentioned at the beginning, um, do a different type of content for any for all the different social media don't try to repurpose because audiences are going to notice that they are not going to like it and you're not going to the majority of the times get uh, you know the best feedback uh, feedback out of it you know so create one content thinking this goes to tiktok this goes to youtube this goes to twitch uh, every time should be native Naturally thinking yeah. like okay that is the audience they might like it they might not like it but put the right effort and time to create a custom content all the single time. And then last last insight from you on social, there's a lot because I know that you live it. So that's why I'm trying to <laughs> trying to get this whole out of you. So last last question, um, in terms of the actual content, what are what are some of your suggestions for how companies approach creating the content? What what should drive their decision in the pieces they make? Yeah, so good question. So again, it depends uh, by the type of media. Um, I'd say that, like, for example, on TikTok, something that works well, it is to jump in on trends. Uh, pros and cons of that. The pro it is that you're going to be really relatable and you're going to be like, like, you know, most probably on the For You page if you're using a certain hashtag or certain trends or soundtracks. So you can have more possibility to get featured. The con, and it's not like really a con, but it's a potential issue. It is that it is easy to say, oh, let's do something trending. But then depending on the hierarchy of the company or decision making or time that you can afford like to put into that, it's going to be like, okay, uh, I would love to do this content. But then maybe one day you think about it, a second day you have to edit the content, a third day you publish it, and maybe it's already old, right, for the, mm -hmm. for the public. So 
a lot of brands start with the idea that like I'm gonna do this that is super trending and maybe one week pass by and it's not trending anymore and actually you're gonna have the counter effect like you know uh, some 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 type of audience say if you if you jump on a all the trend by a week no one really care about anymore so uh, but that's definitely something like if you're on there doing something that is trending uh, if you are working with influencers uh, what I recommend all the time it is that try to trust them the most possible. So of course, if you have a brand values, your tone of voice, you have something that is really important for you or like um, a blacklist of words that you don't want them to say or associate with your brands, of course, them, give them guidelines, but do trust them when it comes to content because they are the one that know the social media. They are the one that know their own audiences. So even if, if they send you a content that you might not like it or that you don't fully understand, Imagine that there might be a gap, a generational gap. There might be different like things that you do not understand, but the audience is looking for. So try to find a middle ground on that and try not to dictate too much like what they have to say. Because again, social media, like especially on TikTok and, and but also like on YouTube, like people want to see something that is authentic and genuine. And you want that the message is crafted in a way that is like relatable for people. And if you just say, follow these guidelines and this script, people are gonna notice. And, and, and lastly, um, all the time, like I'd say, try to be the less possible, like, you know, corporate on social media, because people when are so, on social media, unless you're like on LinkedIn, but there is a professional network, you are not in, a, you're not in work mode. You know what I mean? Like you are in a place where you want to see something that has different layout of graphics, uh, that is more fresh, something that is not definitely that like you know maybe structure as you could see on linkedin in a in a corporate way you want to have maybe sometimes a tone of voice that is might be formal but also like informative and useful so it's like a way like again if i if i don't like myself to see something that might be boring or corporate like when i when i'm on social media why should i create that type of content so think in a way that it's a good middle ground between seeing having your brand values but also having your audience happy to see a content that maybe might be shareable if it's just something that they can see like a content that you can usually see on LinkedIn and it's just repurposed on TikTok, that is not gonna work at all, you know? Uh, so just like read the room, understand what is happening during the week, you know? And again, try to do something that, uh, you know, you, you you would like to share to others if you saw it, you know? Uh, and a lot of people think that is, okay, I'm gonna just post it and people are gonna like it just because, no. There is a plethora of content and you have to be one of the best out there if you want really to get viral or if you want to get enough visitors to your website, the more followers on your page and, and so on, you know. So again, a lot of, a lot of work and people do, do not realize, you know, yeah. everything that is behind actually social media. I agree. No, it is. It, it's, it's very difficult. Um, do you, uh, I guess, last question on this, then I want to do like some rapid fire career questions uh, to pull some insights out of you. But um, any new trends or things that you're seeing that you're that you're investigating now that you think will be relevant in the next six months yeah social definitely. yeah definitely so actually a couple of things um one and we also um we also publish a report about the it's, it's a free report that people can find on our website it's about social commerce so uh, i've been closely following what is happening in asia in the past couple of years and how people are 
combining together social commerce, uh, live streaming, and social media. So, you know, and, and for the people that are listening, uh, some of them might not know yet, like, what is social commerce. I, I still can see there is sometimes a bit of confusion and misunderstanding. Social commerce is like a way to buy and purchase an item inside the app without leaving the social media app. So it's not like clicking on a button from Pinterest and go to a third-party website and finalize the purchase there. It is to buy inside the app. So I'm talking about like Instagram shops. You go there, you see a post, you click on the target product, and you can find a button called Buy Now. When you click Buy Now, you have just to add your billing address, and you can even pay with PayPal or Apple Pay that is already in your phone. So it's a smoother and frictionless like, you know, way to buy things. So social commerce is still at the beginning in the US and Europe compared to Asia, I'd say. People are still not used to do that for many reasons that we also surveyed and we got some answer on that. So, but definitely a good one. And I'm, I'm curious to see uh, how social media are gonna, they already started a sort of war to get more people on the social commerce aspects. Uh, technology is going there. I just can see that people, culturally speaking, are not there yet. They prefer mm -hmm. still to buy sometimes from browser or, or from desktop, okay? So mobile browser or desktop. So still a lot of work to do that, but definitely um, I can see a big future for that. And the second one, it's more a bit broader, but it's about the creator economy. So as I was mentioning at the beginning of this um, podcast like that, now, influencers are not just merely promoting things. They're actually understanding that they are entrepreneurs. They are creating their own um, solopreneur like, you know, journey. And sometimes influencers are by themselves, but actually after a while they have an entourage of people helping them, you know, an agent, uh, production, uh, assistant, and so on. And so now brands are going there and they want to co-create or co-branding things like, that, like you know, with, with influencers. And the same influencers are understanding that you can have multiple revenue streams mm -hmm. thanks to social media, thanks to merchandising, thanks to everything. So we're going to see a big future now in the creator economy with new platforms offering tools to help creators and influencers in managing their economies, diversify their portfolio, and so on. So again, we started with like just photos, uh, uh, promoted content on Instagram back in the days. And now creators are like, wow, actually I can think of myself as a company and, and they are making a lot of money. And on the other end, the brands are understanding that creators are more than just like, you know, people on social media. They're actually, again, like small, medium, or some people are big companies, you know, for what they make yearly. Uh, and, and I'm really curious to see how, how are shifting, like, you know, things and even in terms of budgets and interest from, from brands. But in a, in a national social commerce and creator economy, two buzzwords have been seen along um, for in the last months, but definitely, uh, a lot of interest for for American companies to look into. Very good. Okay, a couple of career questions that I like to pull out. Um, so, the biggest challenge you had in your career, how did you overcome it? Um, okay, so I'd say that when I moved to the states, um, I had no connections, um, and that was a big cultural, I'd say, shock. But it also helped me to understand that there was no plan B. So I think that when you get to a situation of uh, total uncomfort zone, that is where your brain is like panic mode and is like, that's it. Like I don't have plan B. I wanted to stay in the States and you know, and no one, else, no, no one was there to help me. So I'd say that uh, when you get to that position where this is it or this is it, 
your brain, I don't know how to explain it, but does something and something clicks on you. And if you really want to get that, you get there. So, uh, but I see that definitely that one sort of panic mode and consistency to be in a position where, again, like you, you like, you know, that, that, that is like the only way to do things. And, uh, mm. and, and you just like follow your instincts and, uh, and that's, that's mostly it. So again, it's, it's different for everyone that, that would help me like, you know, you go from, uh, Okay, this is like something that I might do is to like, this is the only thing that I have to do right now. You, know? you have to do it. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Um, okay, one thing that you would tell your 20-year-old self? Um, take things less seriously uh, because when I was 20, I felt on myself maybe more uh, similar to some people in Silicon Valley that they think they are gods. And you are not, you are not changing the world. Even if your mission is like make the world a better place, it's not, it's just another platform. So the thing that I say all the time is like, if you're 20, you still have to learn so many things. Don't be a bad person to others. And not that I was ever, but sometimes you might feel that you are more than what you are. So try to have like a nice word for everyone working with you all the single time. And again, like think that you have so many years to make mistakes that even if you think that that idea that you are having or that platform said that that age is the best things that you ever created and the world I've ever seen might not be. So breathe in, breathe out, just to think about like what to say, how to your behavior with people. Because again, you are so, so full of energy at that age, but also so full of uh, gaps in your knowledge about people, about network, about companies, about how to make money that you might make so many mistakes just because you think that you know more than the people that you actually are. So just take things a bit like, not slower, but again, like, you know, don't take it super seriously because I was thinking of myself in a different way than I'm now. And I feel now that I'm more like, whatever, I'm doing my things, but I'm not changing lives. So if it goes yeah. well, I'm happy. Yeah. If it doesn't, I'm still happy that I'm, I'm trying to do what I love to do. That's I love it. that. That's good advice. Very good advice. Um, one person that had a major impact on your life, it could be family, it could be professional. Um, who was that and what did they teach you? Um, I, I, I don't have like any gurus or any personal, like, you know, uh, sorry, public person. I'd say that definitely my, definitely my parents uh, helping me a lot in understanding that you have to work to get things done. And also that uh, um, you can always like go outside your comfort zone and you should be always... Uh, interested in things, be like a curious person. Uh, they also have a, a company, totally different industry, but uh, I saw them working a lot, you know, to get things done. And I think that when you have that message, it helps you a lot. Uh, during evenings at dinner, we were talking every single night about not just how school was going, but also about their work. And that's why when I was already 15, I got my professional mindset because they were talking about me how their day also at work was going, having a company. And that happened a lot because I was already thinking of myself in a professional way. And so thanks to their hard work, I saw like, okay, I understood like, if you, if you want things to get done and you don't come from like a super billionaire rich family, then the only way it is to do things. So I'd say that they, they, they were like a, a definitely a good, a, good, a good example for me to, to be uh, honest people working hard and that you cannot just dream about things. You have to mostly do things if you want to achieve certain results. Very good. Um, a book or a podcast that you'd recommend people go check out? 
so I know about this cult. Uh, he has that. <laughs> another one. Another one. <laughs> no, I mean, like, I think that um, there are like many. Um, maybe let me tell you just like, uh, I don't know, like maybe uh, a couple. Okay. Uh, one, it is. One, it is, uh, I mean, like one that everyone knows, but uh, there is just one, I think one main idea that I love about that. There is, I mean, it's rich, rich that poor that everyone knows yeah. about the book, but there is one concept that I love personally. It is the difference between being an employee and employer. So on how you can actually benefit in being an employer in your like, you know, uh, budgeting during the year. So again, a big book with a lot of, some is common sense, some others, but I find some little small things that for people that are not in entrepreneur yet uh, can switch their mindset. So that helped me. But again, everyone knows about that book. Another one that I liked, if you want to understand more about TikTok, social media, Vine, what happened to Vine and so on. It's a book called The Attention Factory. And uh, it's pretty interesting. It goes through all the uh, um, I had the chance to talk with the with the with the with the author of that. He's an expert in all that area, and it's nice because you can understand what happened uh, in Asia and in the states uh, and uh, the history and why now we have TikTok. So it's a bit more technical, but I think it's uh, it's so well detailed about like everything that happened there. That uh, you know, so 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 again, you can read generic books. Yes, fine, but this one specifically, it's it's a good one where. You can have a really a, a good sense of what happened and you can also maybe understand what is going to happen next you know that's good uh, it's a new one i've never had that recommended before so thank you um uh what does success mean to you oh wow this is a deep question with friends we're talking about what is happiness and yeah. now you're telling me about success and after one hour discussion about happiness no one was uh, on the same page so um, <laughs> So to, to go back to your question before, when I was 20 years old, I thought that success was being the next uh, uh, CEO of a Silicon Valley startup with 300 millions in investment. I wanted to be that person. After a while, I understood that success is not definitely um, or necessarily mean that you got funding, actually, because all the times uh, you get more money, more trouble, and you are not in charge, like you're not in, in total, like, you know, ownership of your own startup so it's more trouble usually than than success or or having like you know more bad days than good days for me now after again many years and having this agency that is uh, in my opinion successful for what i expect and what it, and how it's going for me success to be honest now it's like achieving certain things that i told to myself that are like things that i can reach okay it's not like crazy things and i know that i can for me success is to be in a position where I can finally be like, you know, financially speaking, like free to not having to work every single day in my life that I can work if I want, but because of the assets that I'm building up, I can retire before the others and not having to get crazy. Like I want a family and everything. So like, I don't want to get to a position where you cannot have everything or it's going to be a difficult situation for you. So for me, success is like having the basic things in life family, friends, uh, a good apartment or home or whatever, and not having to like work as crazy. So I'm not looking for a yacht. I'm looking for yeah. good things in my life, but again, not having to work for them every single day of my life because I can have passive income thanks to assets that I built before. And for me, that is success. Like if you have like a good family, good friends, doing activities that you love, travel the world and also having some of those, 
uh, it's, I think that should be success for many people. You know, like everyone is, you know, of course, they want to make money while I sleep, right? And, uh, and, uh, but the message is that if you want to get there, you have to work. There is yeah. no easy, uh, rich scheme, like, you know, money type of things. Like there is no, how I got like 1 million in one day. They do not exist. Like those gurus that tell you that they just don't exist. So the, the thing is you have to work a lot to get there. And, 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 and yeah, so that, that is success to me. And, uh, if I'm happy with like, uh, I, I'm already like think that I'm successful in what I got for where I come from, right? Yeah. As an, an immigrant, I'm already feeling myself successful in that. But again, without having that 20 years mindset of like, oh, I'm successful, I'm the best. I'm like, I'm no one. I'm happy with what I built. I think that it's a successful journey. And, you know, if we continue like that, it's going to be even more successful. But even if it ends tomorrow, I feel, I felt it like, wow, it went so well. That's good. You you had a lot of thoughts out of that happiness conversation. <laughs> oh my god! Yes. I, no, but that is it's it's freedom. It's freedom. It's happiness. It's 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 balance. It's and it's not just inundating yourself with work till you die. And I think that's yeah. a very very balanced and smart way to look at success. Um, most importantly, uh, where do people connect with you? Social and website. Yeah, definitely. I mean, like if it is more professional uh, on LinkedIn, for sure, they're always, uh, you know, like free to contact me there if they need anything. Uh, if they want to see more like, you know, daily life, they're interested in anything uh, on my Instagram. I always post like stories of what I do. There is definitely less professional like no than than other like like uh, channels like LinkedIn. You might see me like, you know, posting about the EuroCup and things like that. Uh, but but I still fun to watch. And uh, of course, on our website, influencermarketingfactory.com, they can find uh, some of our case studies uh, that I know that we have to update, uh, but they can find some uh, good ones there, see about our team and what we do what we offer um so i'd say those are the main channels uh, but uh, even by email like you know they can connect with me if they need some help or support if you like any of you like listening it's interesting in this world uh, you know happy happy to connect what's the uh, what's the the best do you want to drop an email or a or a handle or something yeah, sure. Yourself. I mean, like in uh, on on uh, on um, on LinkedIn, they can find me with my name, Alessandro okay. Bogliari. On Instagram, you can find me with Alexados. That is A L E X E I D O S, uh, or just type in my name. You can find me there. And uh, and uh, and my email is Alessandro at theinfluencermarketingfactory.com. Perfect. All right. That's awesome. That's all I got. I know a lot of entrepreneurs listen to this show and NetSuite has been a huge supporter for entrepreneurs, for business owners, because there's one thing that we all know. Business is about making money and it's about your bottom line. And the less you spend on the nuts and bolts of running your business, the more profits you keep. But these days, everything is costing more. Supplies, people, shipping. It squeezes your margins. And I've been there juggling multiple systems for finance, inventory, you name it, each with its own costs and its own set of headaches. That's why I made the switch to NetSuite by Oracle. It's changed our company. Think about it. NetSuite is one of the top financial systems out there. It puts your whole business on one platform, accounting, finance, the works, one data source for everyone. There's no more mismatched info. And because it's in the cloud, it slashes your IT costs. No more servers, no more updates. Just access NetSuite from anywhere. With one integrated suite, your overhead drops big time. And here's the real win. Efficiency. Everything's connected in NetSuite. 
Costs are ridiculous lately. Find a proven way to reduce your expenses and get better performance out of your team. It's a no-brainer, and that's what NetSuite offers. Over 37,000 companies have figured this out already. You have to join them. Right now, through to April 15th, NetSuite's got an incredible, flexible financing plan. Check it out and see the savings yourself at netsuite.com slash scottclary. That's netsuite.com slash scottclary. Hiring as a small business owner is a major pain. That's why LinkedIn is supporting today's episode. You need people with the right skills and experience, but finding them can take forever. It is incredibly frustrating to keep seeing candidates who just aren't a good fit, and that's why LinkedIn Jobs has been a game changer. Let me tell you a little story. We needed to hire a graphic designer, somebody with specific tech and software knowledge and the ability to truly understand our brand. And I started with all the usual job boards, and it's the same old story. Tons of irrelevant applications. No one's really matching my needs. I tried LinkedIn Jobs, and the quality of candidates was just on another level. People with impressive portfolios, relevant expertise. I finally felt like I was interviewing the right people. That's truly the power of LinkedIn's massive professional network. You're tapping into this huge pool of talent you simply wouldn't find on other sites. It's about finding those niche candidates you actually need. And with the right people in front of you, hiring becomes a breeze. Did you know that 86% of small businesses find a qualified candidate on LinkedIn Jobs within 24 hours. That is how well their system works. Honestly, do yourself a favor and try LinkedIn Jobs next time you're hiring. You can post your job for free at linkedin.com slash excellence. That's linkedin.com slash excellence. Terms and conditions apply, but it's definitely worth trying out. I don't know about you, but the idea of being harassed, scammed, or even worse, all because somebody found my personal information online, that's terrifying. Our political opinions, our addresses, even stuff about our families, it's out there for anyone to grab. And did you know that data brokers are allowed to sell information on over 98% of Americans? It's scary stuff. That's why I've partnered with Delete Me. I personally use Delete Me. They're a big friend of the podcast because I put myself out there online. So safety is a huge concern. It's really scary how easy it is to find someone's details and information, but Delete Me creates a layer of protection that we all need. You tell Delete Me what you want gone, and they make it disappear from those sketchy data broker sites. And Delete Me doesn't stop. They constantly monitor the web to keep your information off those lists. It's like having a privacy watchdog that never sleeps. You need to take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me. They're giving a special discount for all Success Story podcast listeners. Get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com slash success and use promo code success at checkout. The only way to get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash success and enter code success at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash success. Hey everyone, I just want to take a second and thank the sponsor of today's episode, Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond Bourbon. Now I don't have a lot of liquor sponsors on this show. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond is actually one of my favorites. I've drank it for a few years now, and this is why we actually decided to work together. Heaven Hill Distillery, family-owned since 1935, is a great entrepreneur story, too. So there's five brothers. They filled their first whiskey barrels back in 1935, and their legacy still lives on today. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond is aged over seven years. That's three more than required by the Bottled and Bond Act of 1897. 
This means the best quality, the best purity, and the best consistency. This is not just average bourbon. It's the winner of the double gold medals at multiple 2023 World Spirits competitions, and they've won the very prestigious Triple Still Award. It's a very big deal in the liquor and bourbon world. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond boasts an exceptionally smooth oak flavor, while its aroma offers a sweet blend of caramel and smooth vanilla. If you love bourbon, you need to try Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond. Available nationally, look for a bottle at your local store. Heaven Hill reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Think back to your last few days in the office. Did any of them leave you feeling really accomplished? Not the kind of day where you're running around like crazy, but where you've made real progress on something that matters. Because being busy doesn't always mean being productive. And I bet you we've all been there. And maybe it's time to rethink what it means to get things done. Today's episode is sponsored by Belay, and what they help you do is, instead of getting sucked into emails and to-do lists, they help you delegate tasks and focus on big goals. They can connect you with top-notch U.S.-based talent who are ready to take on those time-consuming tasks that bog you down. Let's be real. There are way more important things you could be doing than bookkeeping or wrangling a packed inbox. They have virtual assistants to handle all of those pesky administrative tasks or accounting professionals to take care of all your financials. But here's the best part. You don't have to waste weeks searching for the right person. Belay's personalized matching service works quickly, sometimes matching you with the right talent to take stuff off your plate in under a week. Are you ready to try a different way of working? Check out Belay's list of the top 25 things you can delegate to a virtual assistant. It might just change your business and your life. Text SUCCESS, that's S-U-C-C-E-S-S, to 55123 to get the list and to start transforming your to-do list with Belay. 